0: Hello. Well, you don't recognize me? We used to play catch. You don't remember that you shot me? <laughs> but enough with the fucking birds. I'm Anthony, Johnny's son. Fuck you on, a here? Listen to me. Uncle Pat came to see me about Janice and about your money. People keep asking me. I don't know. There's a man from another galaxy that came here. That's your accountant. I'm confused. Any money should go to Bobby Bacala's kids. Now Janice may not do that, but Bobby was with us. He's a made guy. Wouldn't be right. Me? I never had kids You remember where your stash is? You let Uncle Pat know. Me as the head of the family, I'll hold on to it as a guardian for Bobby's kids. You remember Bobby? Sure. You don't know who I am, do you? You remember Johnny? Donny boy? Your kid brother? This thing of ours. I was involved with that? You are my dad. You two ran North Jersey. We did? Yeah.
1: Hmm. That one, you cheap dime store hood. Andy!
2: You goody. Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 58, The Sopranos, season 6 episode 21 made in america so where do you even start with this well you know technically it was uh the ninth episode of part two of season six because they this did like th- a jumbo was the
3: first one to kind of do this move which is now like a regularly practiced thing it feels like with tv shows it's like splitting up into half seasons or whatever
2: well, I mean, there'd be no way for me to know, but okay. probably. All right. <laughs> I'm not a, you know, serious TV historian. I don't know if... I'm sure some other show pulled a move at some point all in right. the history of television, yeah. but I don't know.
3: They used to pull all sorts of moves, like just take extended periods of time off.
2: And by they, you mean The Sopranos. <laughs> pronouns, pal. Oh, boy. Um. Yeah, well... I think, you know, this aired, this particular episode was the season finale, in case anyone was confused by that, um, or the series finale, did I say Right, that? yeah, well, I don't know what and, you said. Uh, <laughs> it aired almost 10 years ago, June 10th, 2007. Yeah, it's pretty wild,
3: and I mean, there's been like a lot of major shows since then, but it, it just holds this place of just being an icon for what it was for so many years.
2: Yeah, I mean, truly, uh, the quote-unquote golden age of television is over, (laughs) and it is a horrible time to be alive.
3: What's the thing that everyone always says about Sopranos couldn't have existed if it wasn't for Oz, though? That's, like, always the... But it's like, all right, well, that's great, but it would go on to completely eclipse that.
2: Right, I mean, obviously, uh, HBO had some envelope-pushing shows that predate The Sopranos. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, You know, being a premium cable channel, they've always been able to get away with whatever they want in comparison to basic cable or regular TV or whatever, but yeah, I mean, the quality of Sopranos totally eclipsed anything I think that they had attempted before. Or anyone had, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Sopranos was just crazy to
3: me. That whole thing where, like, main characters could just get killed off at any time. Now it's like something that just every show, whatever, it's it's kind of just like a common thing now. But at that point, I just I thought people were just protected. I just you know what I mean. I thought there were certain characters that it's like, well, they're not gonna die.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was. Um It was a cultural phenomenon, unlike anything, I think, at the time, at least. Um, I'm sure, you know, obviously there were other uh, television shows in the past that, you know, people would talk about on morning radio and everything else uh, every week. But, you know, with The Sopranos, it was kind of like this special, unique thing, just because you know, they could say fuck, and there would be titties, and there would be <laughs> violence that would, you know, far exceed what would be on regular TV. I mean, it was just a very, it was like a an, uh, an one-hour R-rated movie every week that everyone watched and talked about. You yeah. know, I, I, I mean, it's disingenuous for me to say everyone, I, I, you know, didn't watch the show very much when it was running live, because I didn't really have HBO until much later, but... You know, I do remember even just like regular local radio stations, like talking about it on like Monday mornings and stuff like that. You know, it was a big thing. It was, it had merchandise. It was, you know, one of the first shows that really kind of became a home video hit as far as like the selling of the seasons because. You know, a lot of people didn't have HBO or or didn't want to get it for whatever reason, but then would hear about this shows, and then you know, I think like the rentals and the the purchasing of the seasons uh, became a big deal, and that in a lot of ways, I could be wrong, but I think in a lot of ways that kind of created what we have now, which is basically every show of all time is at some point put onto DVD or Blu-ray or whatever and um well, justifiably can... so it was, a, it was a great show and uh there really isn't anything quite like it on right now that's for sure i didn't start watching it uh regularly until the 3rd season
3: i think before that i had only ever seen the uh season premiere of the 2nd season like over a weekend where we had like free hbo but i do remember like the so i was like aware of the sopranos i had seen one episode of it but I remember, like, it was, I think I was in eighth grade, and one of my friends came in. Next, it was like, Did you see Sopranos last night? They whacked Big Pussy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> What? That sounds incredible. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what that means. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, I mean, obviously, just from that sounding really cool, <laughs> uh, I had, like, understood that they killed off, like, kind of a main character.
2: Yeah, I mean,. Uh, And the one thing, you know, throughout the show's run that I think uh, sets it apart is from even like the other uh, gold standard shows um, like The Wire or uh, Mad Men. Although Mad Men, I think, does this sometimes too um, and Breaking Bad, which would be that they weren't afraid to take artistic chances. Oh, yeah. Uh, They tried all kinds of different interesting things that really... On the surface, you would think wouldn't fit a television show about uh, a mafia family. Like right. it just, you know, very artsy kind of uh, dream sequences and different kind of... Um yeah, there would
3: be, there was like a full episode that was just like, well, actually a couple of times, it's like when he's in the coma, and then there's like another episode where it's just like, it's all just like a dream full episode like an hour long
2: yeah and those things those episodes you know i think to some people uh who were kind of more enjoying the titular nature of the show like would be well, kind of what like, is what, this? What, what is this garbage right. but yeah. like you know for anyone who is kind of getting the show on that next level and appreciating um the artistic nature of it they you know those kind of episodes stand out and are you know, open for interpretation and what you know, what does this mean? What does that right. mean? And I think very similarly to Mad Men, Sopranos is a show that you can go back and rewatch several times all the way through and kind of pick on pick up different things that you may have missed the first time and, you know, have different interpretations and uh kind of see new meaning in different things and it's very dense.
3: Yeah. Well, I'll say this, like when I was younger and watching the show, I was mostly interested in like the mob element of it, like the crime family, the killing. And obviously the fact that they're hanging out in a strip club all the time with naked women walking around. That was great (laughs) for me too. But like, I've rewatched this show probably four or five times. I mean, it's, it's carried me through multiple relationships but <laughs> the rewatching of it but like the second and third time i watched it i was getting like way more enjoyment out of tony's interactions with his family but especially i loved the scenes with dr melfi in the like the conversations that he has in that psychiatrist's office with uh whatever her name is lorraine brocco or whatever yeah uh, those scenes are just hilarious and great. They go on forever and I remember like the first time through I was just like, Who cares about this bullshit? Let's let's kill somebody. But uh those end up being like my favorite scenes in the show.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, obviously when the show started, Tony's mother was a uh pivotal character and I think they kinda had more planned for that and the actress uh passed away and so they kinda had to scramble to fix that up. Uh they did like a really bizarre thing where they like She had already been dead, but then they, like, used really shoddy computer techniques to try to, like, put her in that one scene, you know, like, kind of a last scene that she has or whatever. And that kind of potentially threw them off course a little bit early on, but uh, it's clear that David Chase and company had, you know, a lot planned, and, you know, that was just a minor inconvenience. Although, I mean, you know, the parts with his mother are hilarious, and... It's worth rewatching the first season just for that alone, but... Oh, yeah. It's kind of interesting to me, because in my mind, I always kind of picture this show starting at some point uh, in the early 2000s, but the first season aired in 99.
3: Oh, yeah. I remember I was in middle school when it was on, yeah. Very
2: uh, pre-9-11. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this, Which, in a lot of ways, this show... Did they
3: show the Twin Towers in that opening sequence originally? Uh, I don't know if that was one of the shows where they like, because he's driving away from New York City in the beginning of it. Oh well,
2: yeah, I don't, I don't know. But um, so remember,
3: they would like remove it from some things, like the Twin Towers. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it, uh, aesthetically, The Sopranos is kind of like a farewell. Uh, To the '90s, because even though the show ran until about 2007, like I said, uh, it kind of always had like a '90s look and feel, and 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 not in a detrimental way. I'm not saying that, but it's kind of like the look of it really
3: improved, especially like going from season two to I I think season three. That's like once you got into season three, it really felt like every episode was looked
2: like the quality of like a movie. Oh yeah, they started pumping the money in because this. This was like a huge hit for HBO. And, you know, in a lot of ways, I think they've managed to piece together hits since Sopranos. I I, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the ratings on some of the Game of Thrones episodes eclipsed anything that the Sopranos did. But
3: um it's weird to think there was like that brief like
2: moment in time where i think like true blood was like the biggest show going yeah it definitely was like a few years of that but just as far as like cultural significance it's hard to say that game of thrones has reached the same level Uh, i mean you could definitely argue that it has i mean tons of people watch it and tons of people talk about it It's just it's kind of a different kind of feeling to it. I I think maybe because media
3: too. I mean that whole thing where people are coming into work on like a Monday and talking about what was on the night before, it just doesn't exist as much.
2: Yeah, I mean obviously I think Sopranos kind of snuck in under the wire in kind of a pre-internet saturation of the world, meaning like yes, the internet existed, but. It's much different now in 2017 than it was at any point. Yeah, now it's
3: like you could be like, did you see the episode of whatever last night? And someone would be like, no, but I saw people tweeting about what happened.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So the last episode obviously was highly anticipated. It was kind of a big deal. By that point, I had jumped in and was kind of watching... Uh, the second part of the sixth season, well, as this it was, aired, kind of out of context, right. really. But um. <laughs> this was the big thing for me because I had now had seen every
3: episode of the show. I'd been watching it. Uh, there were some seasons where we didn't have HBO, and I would I was scrambling other ways to watch it. But I had watched every episode, and it had been certainly a big part of my life. And then it's leading up to the finale, and I'm going to a friggin' Deftones concert that night, so. And luckily for me, though, I wasn't living in the era of, like, smartphones and everything's, like... I mean, there's no way I wouldn't have heard about what happened. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so I was able to just watch it, like, the next day on demand. But, I mean, it's just... What a weird thing, because it's already happened. And then I'm, like, watching it, getting caught up with the rest of the world. And and I'm like, what the fuck happened? Like, (laughs) I'm thinking, like, the on-demand thing is screwed up at the end there. You know what I mean?
2: Um... Yeah, so uh, you had jackoffs like me who hadn't been watching it very much at all. Watching that last episode, you know, before you were able to. it. Oh yeah, it. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so the episode opens with uh, Tony in hiding with uh, his crime family. They're at kind of a random, like suburban house. Kind of a reference to like the going to the mattresses from like The Godfather. Yeah, we don't really know. We were trying to figure out whose house this was, if this was a house that we should recognize. No, or yeah, was I was just, just thinking a random that, house. you
3: know, they just own property like this for these reasons.
2: And eventually, um, you know, they're kind of in the middle of this uh, stalemate with uh, Phil Leotardo. And I think, like,
3: it's kind of weird. Like, one of the downfalls kind of of having a lot of characters killed off throughout is, like, you get to this end part, and it's like... The people that are a part of Tony's crew is really like actors that have only been on the show, like some of them were only a part of it for that last little run. And like these are the people that are hanging around him at the end, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like Ralph Cifaretto or Christopher are there anymore. <laughs> like any of some of like the bigger presence characters are, are are gone at this point.
2: Yeah, and I mean I think maybe that's intentional. You know, I yeah. think it's a their kind of lifestyle where quote unquote important people kind of come in and out and yeah, it's kind of hard lose to lose them and move on. Yeah. And so they're in this stalemate um, with Leotardo, who's the head of a rival family that he's currently at war with now. Um, they're, you know, from over in New York. Oh yeah. Um, I think it should be noted
3: too, that the episode before this is one of the great episodes from like an action standpoint, uh, blue comet.
2: Yeah. Well, it seems like basically Tony gets word that uh this rival family is gonna put has put a hit on the top people in Tony's family, you know including himself and uh sill and uh Bobby and whoever right, and they kill Bobby at the uh model train store, yeah, and then they shoot Sill outside of the uh strip club, and he is currently like in a coma, yeah um
3: and that's another one i mean he was such a big character throughout always kind of being tony's like right-hand man it's just like the fact that his thing is so like unclear where it's like he's shot but he's not dead but they just kind of address like oh they don't think he's gonna recover it's just like a weird, it's just like such a thing that just blows by real quick you're like oh wow okay well that's the end of Stephen van Zandt.
2: yeah and so you know that obviously is why uh tony starts this episode in hiding uh, he was kind of, it's kind of addressed later that uh, Leotardo's family kind of thought that he would be at the strip club with Syl. And so they thought that they would be able to hit both of them Got then. Some bad intel. And they didn't. So Tony's able to go into hiding. At the same time, they can't find Phil. They don't know where he is. Right. They just already tried a hit on him and that didn't a
3: work. Ridiculous thing where they end up killing this Ukrainian, <laughs> the, Phil's
2: mistress's dad. <laughs> Although it is weird that... She was fucking Phil, and Phil looks almost exactly like her dad. <laughs> wow. I mean, we, that's a whole episode in of itself. There's something <laughs> going on.
3: I mean, the shot that they found of her for the newspaper is her dressed up in, like, a bunny costume. Like, you know, <laughs> like, the sexy bunny costume. Uh, not no, like... Like, like not the like, Easter bunny from Mallrats? <laughs> I was thinking, like, Frank from fucking Donnie Darko. <laughs> uh,
2: so, Tony goes and meets with uh, FBI agent Dwight Harris and tries to give him, like, more information about these... Uh, Muslims that I guess you know had been involved yeah because Harris is working counter-terror now yeah he
3: used to investigate Tony
2: yeah so he's basically like hey here's some intel can you tell me where uh Phil is hiding and Harris is like no I I can't no come on I don't know I'm not gonna sanction a a killing here uh but
3: it is weird I mean Harris ends up going to great lengths to get information for Tony which include uh fucking an attractive colleague (laughs)
2: It's like I, I just—it's so weird what's going on there. Like that, I don't—yeah, I didn't even understand. What, was he getting information from her?
3: Uh, yeah, I guess she—she's the one that told him that th- they've traced these calls that Phil made from a payphone, oh, or something, or that they think <laughs> Phil made. And he's like having sex with her to get this information. <laughs> it's like
2: he must be some like you know real prize in bed. <laughs> So Tony's family, like his family family, they're hiding in a a different place. Uh, some uh, spec house or something that Carmella bought. Carmella! Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, eventually they all attend the funeral of uh, Bobby Bacchieri, um, who was married to Tony's sister, Janice. And Janice is like, oh, I'm going to raise Bobby's kids now. <laughs> and Tony <laughs> is like, I can't even He's like... Was that a joke? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, hey, is that one got by me. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, <laughs> he's just always, like, what? <laughs> Janice, always a
3: handful throughout the series.
2: Yeah, I mean, she kind of provides, like, this interest, she It's kind of, like, an interesting dynamic because no one can really give shit to Tony like Janice. Like, not right. even Carmella, not... Yeah. Carmella. Anyone else, really. No one in his crime family, obviously. But she can co- always kind of, like... Fuck with him in a way that well, like yeah. no one else can. That she can
3: do it verbally and then she is also always like she fucks roughly ninety percent of his crew. <laughs> <laughs> I mean at any given time she's dating someone that's like
2: involved with him. So finally, yeah, Harris, you know, lets Tony know about that information, you know, that yep. we just addressed. The payphone. And, uh it's basically they've traced it to this payphone at a gas station in Oyster Bay, Long Island. You know, and this is 2007. I would say probably by now almost no places have payphones. Right. But some places still did. And so this was kind of like this thing where there. There uh, ended up being like a huge debate online whether or not this gas station ever had a
3: payphone. Several people remember it differently. It's like the Best Buy payphone in
2: cereal. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so people were acting no, like. I'm because it's. Oh. <laughs> it's like this is a, a fictional show. So we kind of get some reaction from phil because he's pissed now that uh that they failed to kill tony his underboss butchie he kind of is like hey let's you know he's, yeah, he doesn't even quite say here. it but he's about to suggest that you're they talking make about reaching out and phil gets pissed about that
3: i can't even believe you're saying this you said it phil although that's kind of a funny scene too just like what's being said there because butch is walking through little italy And there's kind of, like, some commentary going on about how, well, you hear a tour bus guide talk about how Little Italy used to be, like, 20 blocks or something, and now it's, like, one block. And uh, so he's walking through it on the phone with Phil, and by the time he's off the conversation, he's walked into, like, Chinatown or something, whatever that's supposed to be. Yeah,
2: and he doesn't know what... what. (laughs) He's in a different world. But ultimately, Butchie decides to meet with Tony without Phil's knowledge, and, you know, he... He decides to not disclose Phil's location, but he agrees to a truce and tells Tony, you know, to do, you do what, what you, you got to do. Do what you got to do. So Tony takes this as a sign that he can move his family back into their regular house, and they're going to back off. Finally, uh, some of Tony's guys end up tracking Phil to a gas station, and they shoot him uh, in a pretty hilarious, you know, Sopranos esque, David Chase esque way. This Chase-esque was kind of way. a David Chase thing. These like
3: clumsy. Drawn out death scenes where you not only get the killing, but like the aftermath of it. That's always this kind of like messy, bizarre thing.
2: Yeah. So he's um, at a gas station with, I guess, his daughter and uh, grandchildren.
3: I thought he's with his wife and his and the grandchildren. I don't think the daughter. Oh, was it his wife? Yeah, okay.
2: Yeah. And he steps outside and he's like, "Say bye bye to Papa." Yeah. He's or whatever. looking back in, and they just walk up and shoot him. And of course, his wife in you know complete horror gets out of the car you know to to check on him because obviously you know she knows i guess you know she knows that they're not going to shoot her right they are walking away already and so she gets out and then the car is in drive or in neutral or whatever and it just ends up running over phil's head as a bunch of people are (laughs) watching this reacting reacting to to it it (laughs) yeah that fat guy's like oh shit (laughs) and then that one kid just throws
3: up (laughs) Um. Yeah, and, and it, the camera will focus on just, like, the babies kind of sitting there in the car as this is happening. Yeah, blissfully
2: unaware. <laughs> yeah. You would think that the gunshot would have made the babies cry or something, but yeah. I guess not. No, um, they They're so, well-behaved. <laughs> so,
3: I eight, guess it's important to point out, though, too, for whatever you think of the end of the episode and what it means, the gun comes to the back of Phil's head. He never sees it, and it's just...
2: Trigger pulled over. Right. Yeah, and we will certainly get to the end. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, Just wanted to point it out. AJ and his girlfriend Rhiannon, which is a crazy name. <laughs>
3: <laughs> There's a lot of crazy things going on with her. She's in high school. They reference that <laughs> he meets her at a psych ward. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic they've got. She models some. T- she does some modeling now. It's said that he knows her from a dude who used to hang out in the clubs, which. At this point, it had to be a season or two ago. It's like, how old was she when she was going to the clubs? Yeah,
2: because they say she's a junior in high
3: school.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, she certainly doesn't look like it, though. No, they're just like they're at, to this point. You know, they were doing like the lame thing, like oh, we're just friends or whatever. But they're hanging out all the time. And AJ is
3: just next level
2: insufferable, like. <laughs>
3: impossible to talk to makes all these crazy points that don't like add up to anything. Yeah. Just like this ultimate depressed cynic about the world and fit in on this
2: show. At this point now they're uh, sitting in his uh, SUV and they finally are like making out for the first time and you know, she gets on top of him and all that stuff. And it comes to their attention that uh, there's a fire as uh, the vehicle catches fire uh After he left its engine running in dry leaves, which seems like kind of crazy, I mean you'd have to really be on top of a lot of leaves, I think, to make that happen, uh, yeah, I like, don't know what was he doing.
3: <laughs> it's like, yeah, I parked on leaves. I don't think any of this stuff would have ever crossed my mind as being
2: like a possibility though I just well, yeah I mean I think it car- could be, but like you would have to the leaves would have to be pretty well, high. The, the car catching on fire though, even <laughs> well, the leaves would be on fire first, yeah,
3: I know, but like. Well, what happened that set the fire off? Like, there's cigarettes or something? No, because the
2: the vehicle's running, and it it runs really hot. Oh, okay, okay. Apparently. I gotcha. Uh, Which is what Tony is, you know, yelling at him later. I see, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, So then he takes up jogging, and he tells his parents (laughs) he's going to... He intends to join the army. They freak out about this. Oh, yeah. Um, Especially, you know, obviously Carmela definitely doesn't want him to go because the whole thing you know is we're in the middle the country's in the middle of this you know uh conflict with uh iraq and afghanistan it's you know very much uh pre-obama so we're still like in the bush administration this war is going on the war at by 2007 was very unpopular and Aj, who has all of these idealistic thoughts running through his head, and he's trying to <laughs> acquire all this knowledge, but he's not, you know, super intelligent, so he doesn't really know how to put all this knowledge together yeah. and make <laughs> can't any articulate kind of sense. a point. You know, it's like the typical post high school kind of influx of information, but it leads to a lot of frustration, kind right. of thing. Like it hap- you know. And she's kind of uh, Rihanna is kind of feeling the same way, she although just it kind of listens to whatever he says, though. Yeah, well, she's at that one point, she's, like, on the internet, and he's just laying in bed. Oh, that's she's true, she's just, yeah. like, telling him information. But, like, so she's
3: kind of, like, It's like,
2: enough, I've moved on from this. She's feeding the fire, but then, you know, she also doesn't really want him to join the <laughs> to- army. That's
3: what, when Tony comes in and is like, take a hike, hon, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and AJ's like, wait downstairs.
2: And she, Tony's like, better yet, don't. <laughs> just so many great lines from Tony. Uh so his parents, AJ's parents, Tony and Carmela, they decide to arrange for him to work for Little Carmine's film production company instead, which to this point was only making pornos, but <laughs> branching out as Tony puts it. He yeah, they want to branch out and they have some shitty script that <laughs> they've read <laughs> that and that
3: Danny Baldwin or whatever gave to Tony. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, it was like a whole thing because, you know, there was the whole uh, storyline of Christopher getting involved with which that is, movie.
3: Yeah, Cleaver. It's the movie that he made. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Such a bizarre time period on that show. There's an episode where Christopher and one of the other characters, I can't remember which one, go out to try to recruit Ben Kingsley. Oh, yeah, yeah, Cle- yeah. It's like, what a weird sequence of events on the show. There's episodes, there's parts of episodes where Christopher, and some of the other, like, I think that Carlo dude, they're like sitting in on the editing of the movie and stuff. It's like... <laughs>
2: Such a weird thing to have happen on the show. So, Meadow, the other uh, soprano kid, uh, she is now announcing an engagement with Patrick Parisi, who is the son of, what's his face? Uh, Patsy. Yeah. One of Tony's guys. Yeah,
3: who's always kind of been like one of the guys that they all kind of scoff at, kick around. He's always been like Pauly's underling, kind of.
2: Right, and... Uh, Patrick is already a lawyer and now Meadow is going into law and uh, they're talking about maybe landing her a profitable contract at a law firm. And then there's an interesting scene... Uh, between Meadow and Tony where they go out to dinner together and she tells Tony that she uh, wants to defend those oppressed by the federal government, particularly Italian-Americans, and she kind of cites... uh, After
3: seeing the FBI drag you out in cuffs so many times, (laughs) I mean, we just get our rights trampled on, uh, and if they can do that to us, they can think about what they're doing to other people.
2: And he's like, well... (laughs)
3: Like, even he's
1: like...
2: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of Meadow is kind of this interesting uh character. You I mean, you'd have to really just like focus on her storylines to really kind of see this yeah. thread, but She's like kept herself separate from the family a lot. She at times seems um aware. Well, yeah, aware but kind of angry about Yes, yes. the lifestyle that Tony well, has. it almost Tony feels has. like
3: even that it's kind of hard to tell like is she making that that comment like at him like is it fully genuine or Well is that but there are other
2: times and not just this time where she seems to be ultra defensive right. about it and protective of her family. So it's kind of like you're not really ever sure what her mindset about what her father does is. Like you don't know what her, what her true feelings are cuz she kind of seems seemingly wavers a lot. He's in waste management. In subtle ways. And he also has, you know, been involved with the death of people that she was dating. Yes, Jackie Jr. Uh, So Tony finally visits uh, Silvio uh, in the hospital.
3: This is kind of something that they address a few times. The fact that he's not going to see him in the hospital. A couple of characters have commented on it. I think like some of his like crew are like, that's weird. That's like, you know, one of his best friends and he's not going to see him. But Tony seems to be dealing with some sort of denial
2: about it a little bit or something. At this point in the episode, you know we've he kind of embraces uh, Sill's wife, and you know we're kind of at this point led to believe that Sill isn't going to make it. Although it is like just a great shot and such a testament to the
3: character in like a funny way, because uh, Sill is always like you know the the slicked hair, even though obviously it's clearly uh, a wig, but. You know, the suits and everything, the nice shoes. And it's funny, like, his wife is, like, giving him a pedicure, you know, (laughs) while he's in the coma.
2: Yeah, I mean, at this point, you're like, well, what is this? Like, the season finale of season two of True Blood, where they killed Marianne in the very (laughs) beginning? And where are we at here? It's like, Phil is dead, and the episode is, like, you know, only halfway over. We're not really sure.
3: They're giving you a lot of, I think they're giving you a lot of glimpses as to where it could be going because obviously the ending ends up being ambiguous
2: (laughs) it's like well what i'm going to say is that now they kind of have to set up something you know to leave us you know with ultimately where we'll be at the ending and so uh one of polly's guys carlo goes missing and he fears that he may have flipped to be an informant because uh, carlo's son jason was arrested on drug charges
3: i think some people writing about this online we're acting like it wasn't fully confirmed but i do believe at the end tony tells carmela it's carlo he's going to testify
2: well yeah i mean i think that's what he thinks because well then you know he meets with his lawyer right. and uh he There's tells any, tony that carlo is grand, likely testifying and tony be he said tony somebody's giving indicted.
3: grand jury testimony yeah
2: and that he's going to be indicted yeah so now with uh i guess i, I mean i guess carlo really isn't Polly's guy, he was like, you know, Polly's just the one that knows that he's missing or whatever. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were going to go do something together that day. And so, you know, with Carlo gone, Tony offers yeah, Carlo was Carlo's crew, which was the, the, the April crew.
3: Yeah, that was like the big job that moved throughout the show. It was like Ralph Cifaretto, Vito, and the big Paulie's big hang up about it is everyone that's ever had that position died in some, you know, <laughs> either weird way, like got killed or it's like, I don't even know. Did Tony ever even reveal that he killed Ralph? I don't think it was ever cuz he couldn't really reveal it because he killed him over the horse. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think only Christopher knew that he killed Ralph, but the one guy uh like died on the toilet, you know. Right. Uh so people have just had, there's been a lot of deaths involved with that job.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Polly is like very like superstitious and super annoying about <laughs> it. <laughs> Polly is just kind of the Polly worst.
3: Polly is, is he is just like this weird old creep i mean <laughs> that part at the uh funeral at the wake or whatever where yeah he's like, my condolences sweetheart and then he's like unzipping his pants to like i mean you know to let his like gut breathe or whatever but it's just like this <laughs> off-putting <laughs> like annoying old dude
2: eventually uh he does kind of accept it whenever tony tells him he'll, he would offer it to patsy instead
3: um yeah because patsy was someone that paulie's like bossed around throughout the series so he's like
2: you always know how to get me to do what you want. So now there's like a looming indictment hanging over Tony, kind of heading into the f- home stretch of so, of the finale here. i got
3: to ask something. The whole thing with
2: his last scene with Dr. Melfi,
3: that was in the episode before. Right. Which kind of sucks because that's like a huge
2: thing. Yeah, obviously, you know, but throughout so the show's run, kind of the interesting thing was uh, you have a mob boss, uh, who goes and sees a therapist, this kind of, it kind of was like a weird coincidence that The Sopranos was kind of in production, and then, you know, um, the movie with uh, De Niro. This. Yeah, Analyze This came out uh, as a pure comedy, whereas, like, Sopranos is not, but it kind of was, like, unfortunate timing that that ended up being around the same time, because I, I, it's not like you know sopranos took the idea from that or anything so it kind of just was like oh well this isn't exactly the most original thought now but you know
3: well the reason i wanted to talk about it though is so he has the big you know breakup basically ending the relationship with the therapist you know at her uh choosing but one of my favorite scenes is when they go to talk to aj's therapist. Yeah. And he starts like making it his own therapy session and he starts being like there wasn't a lot of love in my house. My mother was very tough.
2: <laughs> like, you know, he's like my mother was a borderline personality. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that or not. <laughs> and Carmela is just like lo- like just shooting yeah, just daggers at him
3: disgusted like, "Oh my god."
2: <laughs> yeah, that is a that's a great scene.
3: But uh another thing that i'd like to point out though too is like the whole reason he started going to see the therapist was because he had these anxiety attack blackouts where he would pass out from anxiety attacks which it's been a while since one of those incidents has occurred right so that's one of the things that could potentially be looming going into the end as well
2: so janice always the uh self preservationist snake that she is she goes and Sees Junior in the care home to tell him of Bobby's death. Uh, Junior obviously at this point is too confused to really understand. Uncle Pat is there visiting him, so he witnessed. There's a witness to this, and um, she's uh, trying to sniff out if there's any money, right? cuz Junior doesn't really seem to he's Junior's kind of run out of money that they knew about but they assume that a lot there's of people probably think other there's money, money stashed away, right? Yeah, and there probably is. And so, you know, Janice is trying to but he's get her like claws into it. A space cadet at this point, <laughs> completely gone. So, Uncle Pat tells Tony that he believes Janice is scheming to claim the last money. Tony doesn't want to hear it. He doesn't want to hear anything about Junior.
3: Still holding a grudge from when Junior shot him.
2: Yeah. But eventually, Tony goes and sees Junior himself and tells him to give the money to Bobby's children. But again, Junior is just so out of it. You know, he he's like, it. "Who the fuck are you?" <laughs> he has no idea what's <laughs> going on. It's kind of, and it's kind of obviously a poignant scene for the series because Junior. Well, Tony starts talking about what he once was. Yeah, I mean, Junior was such a pivotal character throughout the show's run, and now he's... You and my father ran North Jersey.
3: (laughs) And it's just like, now he's just this old geezer with nothing, staring at birds.
2: Yeah, and I mean, obviously, this is uh, (laughs) the commentary on what all this really meant in the long run, what it all comes down to at the end of the day. You either end up dead, like so many of Tony's compatriots, or you end up at a point where uncle jr is and nothing means anything right and so it doesn't really matter and you know uncle jr has been moved to like a basically a state facility i mean he's not even living really his remaining days in kind of no luxury that's comfort it's it's pretty sad yeah and i think this kind of gets to tony i think you can kind of see tears in his eyes as the scene kind of ends there because right, it's yeah. kind of just like
3: In, he it's kind of is like a moving on moment for him, too, because he's this he's carried this whole thing, this like hate for Junior since the whole shooting incident. And this kind of like like washes that away a little bit. Yeah,
2: it's kind of just like you know, a cathartic
3: yeah. moment. Yeah, like just. All right. I think well. it
2: finally dawns on him that Junior really had no idea. Yeah. You know, who he was, what he he was doing. Right. And so all of this leads towards the Soprano family, the actual family, not the crime family, uh, arranging to meet at uh, Holston's, which is like a diner, kind of a uh, typical uh, thing that you'll find every couple of blocks in New Jersey. I know. Fucking diners. Super jealous. And because of this, you know, Tony having to go meet up or go see Uncle Jr., they arrive separately. They all arrive separately. Yeah, AJ's right. now driving around in a BMW that his parents got him yeah, the, because the he's doing thing this stupid AJ internship or is whatever. It's like
3: uh all this stuff, you know, he wants to be a martyr and like change the world and everything. And then it's like, Okay, we're gonna buy you a BMW, give you a job working on movies, what like developmental
2: assistant or whatever
3: <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's like all right, yeah, this is that's like, And in the
2: future we'll probably help invest in a club or whatever. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, "All right, well that'll pull me out of this depression." Um in his way of justifying like getting the BMW, he's like, "Well, there's not public transportation out here. <laughs> so I needed a car."
2: <laughs> so Tony arrives first and kind of sits at a booth so that he can see the door and watch his customers uh come in and go come in and out yeah we get his
3: point of view like a couple times as people are walking through the door yeah
2: and uh, you know it kind of starts setting up like this uh, you know building tension of like what is happening right now people are coming in and out uh we don't know what's going on tony eventually plays Tony uh, pays
3: attention to a few of the characters i mean there's a couple of what look uh I don't know. I mean, there's a couple black dudes. I don't know if they're supposed to be like, like, look like they have some criminal element or something. But he, at one why, point... why because they're black. Well, no, I didn't know if they were supposed <laughs> to
2: look like gangster or something. I don't know. But well, that's the thing. You don't know about any of like, these people. They it, just keep fixating on different people, and you're like, who? Ooh, okay, yeah, What's the, going on here?
3: The only reason I bring it up is because uh, there was an attempt on his life by like gang members at one point earlier in the sh- like early in the show.
2: So. Tony plays Don't Stop Believing by Journey on the little table jukebox that I guess each of the tables have. Right. Which is cool. And <laughs> uh, Carmela arrives. Carmela. And uh, t- this is when Tony tells her that Carlo will testify. And, you know, Carmela is kind of.
3: Well, we knew this was coming at some point. Yeah.
2: She's been down this road, you know. I mean, she's uh, battle tested. Uh, She kind of has to roll with the punches of being a mobster's wife. I mean,
3: she tried life outside of it, but
2: at the end, she was always coming back to Tony. Right. And I mean, this is kind of just how it is. And then AJ arrives and there's kind of this weird moment between AJ and Tony where AJ kind of reminds him of something he said. Think about the good times. Remember the good times. And Tony at first is like, what? And he's like, you said that. He's like, oh, I did. Well, it makes sense, I guess. <laughs> and then Meadow is
3: trying to parallel park outside. It can only be described as a Matt Crosby-esque. There's so much room in between the two You uh, could park cars. a boat between the right. two cars, Except, and
2: she cannot get that car in there.
3: Like I said, when we were watching it, if it was me, a car would pull up behind, and I would just take off and drive around the block and call call my parents and be like, I'm not coming. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I can't. I can't park. It's just, I'm not coming. <laughs> Yeah, so she keeps like trying and I'm failing go and hitting and the curb an and, <laughs> and not getting the angle right and hitting the curb and pulling out and trying it again. And it's just like over and over and over. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? And it, you don't understand why it would be significant at all. And people point to it's like
3: Tony sits down. Carmela sits across from him. AJ sits next to Carmela where she, she slides in. So by default, you think that Meadow's going to sit next to Tony and he'll slide in. Uh, so this may be the reason why they're emphasizing on the delay. But eventually, she starts coming towards the door, and see, I, mean,
2: I, I, I feel like that's a stretch. I know, like some people probably have, you know, really overanalyzed every detail of this ending here.
3: They do focus on it, though. I, mean, I feel I like the that focus that
2: on it is because it's just building tension. Like that, you just you don't understand tension, yeah, why right. this is happening because with this show and you. You know, obviously, in kind of a meta sense, you're sitting at home, you're watching it, you can see what time it is as it's airing live, and you're like, this is the end, I don't know what's happening, why is this happening, what is going on? I mean,
3: there's a lot of things going on, Uh, aside from, like, the possible gangbanger dudes, also there's, like, Boy Scouts, which I think are maybe, is, like, a reference to Bobby's, I think there were, like, Boy Scouts or something in the, in that store when he was shot, uh, or something, and then... You see the guy walk in, the camera follows him into the bathroom. So there's like Yeah, there's a guy that a comes in that kind of looks like on. Ken
2: Marino, and he and, is you know, in the credits he's known as Man in Members Only Jacket. Now Members Only could be seen as a reference to episode one of season six, which was called Members Only. Eugene or Gene you know, kills himself. Who knows? Yeah. But in a very godfather esque right. we all recognize sequence, the reference here. He walks yeah. into the bathroom. And we don't know, you know, this really wouldn't be important other than it shows it. So it's like, oh, right. we're watching him do this. Yes. So, you know, we're thinking, is he going to get a gun? Meadow finally parks the car. She's, you know, running towards the door and she kind of has a weird expression on her face. Although I don't know if well, this is people like, have tried to read into that. Yes. Although I think she's too far away from the door at I that agree. point to really to I always, see anything. My
3: memory of it after reading articles after I saw it was always like, okay, she's right at the door. We go to Tony, but it's like every time I rewatch it, yeah, you, you look at it. seems like she's several feet away from the door still. And I, I can't even say for sure that she does have a... If if she has a look of distress, it's possibly just that she's ru- she's running in there. You know, like she's acting like she's late. Uh, right. It's kind of like at the end of Inception when that top, it's like, does it take a hard dive? <laughs> Some people say it does. It start,
2: it, do- <laughs> it it kind of flickers. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing. Okay, so Don't Stop Believing still playing. Um... You know, if you think back to even just, uh, I I guess it was the previous episode when Tony had a flashback thinking of a conversation he and Bobby had talking about how when you get killed that you don't even hear it, you don't know it kind of thing. And And this
3: show hasn't really been known for having like flashbacks to characters saying something.
2: Yeah. And I mean, obviously that was right when Bobby was killed. Yeah. And... There, That original conversation took place, I think, in Sopranos and Home then, Movies, which was the first episode of part two of season six, so it wasn't that long ago. Right.
3: And then it follows the whole idea with what happens to Phil. You probably don't even hear it when it happens, because right. it's just like,
2: he's just shot in the back of the head. Right. Pretty immediate. So, at this point, right as the door jingles, I presumably forced Meadow to open it, the picture goes black and for a second after the picture goes black the song kind of still plays oh okay i I think i don't know it kind of like that last believe in kind of like hangs for a second
3: yeah well yeah because it's like don't stop
2: yeah okay yeah yeah something i don't know it's it seems like it 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 kind of just goes black and then it's silent and then it takes like i don't know yeah 20 seconds or so before the credits start and so you're it's kind of this abrupt Ending and obviously it's the most well one of the more controversial questioned debated endings in the history of television a lot
3: of people left disappointed at the end you know because they didn't get a clear-cut answer right and obviously you know we've
2: in the build-up to this moment we've kind of pushed forward lots of different ideas and and possibilities and theories just based on you know describing right. the guy in the members only jacket it and
3: kind of is inception-esque where you can kind of go back through and be like well what does this all mean there's so many things that could potentially mean stuff or it's just like red now, herrings
2: there are a, there were a, a, you know in the aftermath of the episode airing there were Lots of people claiming that the guy in the members-only jacket was someone related to Phil Leotardo. In fact, I
3: took those people's words for it. I was reading articles that that actor had been credited in an
2: earlier episode as, like, Nicky Leotardo or something. Yeah, and according to IMDb, that is not true. No, yeah, in fact... He appeared in one episode, and it was that. it's
3: a completely bunk thing. I don't know why this thing gained ground and and people were writing about it,
2: but... Because I think people... We're bound and determined to explain it to make an ending that they've felt it should have been on some level, even if it like even if like leading into that episode they would have described a different ending right in their soul, they kind of expected something, now, and then when it didn't happen, they did everything they could to make it that ending i
3: actually and what's great about it i mean it, it is like it's the thing it's fun to go back through. I remember uh, when David Chase was asked about it right after it happened, his response was, it's all there for anybody who wants to pay attention. And so it's like I would, I go, I would go back and watch like the full last whatever it is, six or seven episodes again and try and piece it all together. And it's like, yeah, the epi- this episode, this last episode opens with like a shot above of Tony with his eyes closed with his kind of like looks like he's dead. You know what I mean? But he's just sleeping and it's like he wakes up.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're going to pick one thing for it to be, the logical thing would be that they were building towards he gets killed and doesn't see it coming and doesn't know. That's true. Um, and I
3: also think there's, there's credence to... Uh, the blackout uh, cuz the the blackouts from the panic attacks was such a recurring theme and the fact that he's like out of therapy and all these thi- all these things are spinning and
2: like it's been like a real whirlwind of activity in his life yeah and the indictments coming down and right. everything so that yeah that's another possibility i think the only legitimate answer though really is that it could is that it's all of those things yes it's he gets killed and doesn't know it it's he has a panic attack it's nothing happens it doesn't matter his life is going to go on like this where if he lives
3: through this moment his the rest of his life is just going to be these moments and that yeah
2: and in a way that's what his life was before this before this and this is like david chase's way of showing you that kind of in a more firsthand way putting you kind of in the perspective that's what i mean by like the point of showing meadow messing up is only there just to like to start building that like oh no what is happening kind of thing because if because if there's no other reason in any this goes for even any show beyond sopranos if you're going to show someone attempting to parallel park a bunch of times and messing up and then finally getting it right and it taking forever like you would think that in any show that there would have to be a reason for that so the whole thing is like well what is the reason this is the end of the show what is happening what is going on and so it's like The door keeps opening. Who's this guy? Who's that guy? Why'd that guy go to the bathroom? Who are these people? That's the
3: point, too. It's like, it is intentional that Tony's looking around at these people in the diner, and it's like reminding him of things, or it's making him think about things, but it's like, it doesn't mean that those people are going to kill him, you know what I mean?
2: Right, and so, the end it ends in a way where you're just like, anything could happen at any moment. It may have happened right when the screen went black. It may happen the next day. It might happen six weeks from then. It could happen in a year from then. But it could, anything could happen at any moment, including, you know, being killed without really knowing. Because this is kind of the life that you've been living. And you've killed a lot of people. And they have friends and relatives that want revenge just as much as you've gotten revenge on other people. And so it's just this endless thing. And so you're just kind of left, you know, kind of empty. And, you know, I think a lot of people reacted negatively to that because people respond better to having things done for them. You know, a Breaking Bad style ending, which is like.
3: Yes, that would have been much more fulfilling for a good percentage of the viewers of this show.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I'm not even like knocking Breaking Bad, but that's just like that's the ending you were expecting and you got it. And you know that was a show that was pure plot, whereas Sopranos is like a lot deeper than just what's happening in the moment. There's yeah, a these, lot of
3: like commentary, symbolism. These things were explored throughout the whole series, and it continues in the
2: end. Yeah, and in a way, it's kind of the perfect ending for this kind of show. And you know, in a lot of ways, to me, is far more memorable than the ending of like a Breaking Bad or something that's more oh, traditional. Yeah. Well, I can just remember watching these last few episodes
3: even the last couple seasons like week to week just how tense it always was it it just I mean the fact that like just in that last season it's like Christopher is just dead this guy that was this major character throughout the series Tony always grooming him as like his number two or something but always having problems with him and then it's just like I just remember like the emptiness I felt after that character was just gone
2: yeah and it was kind of just done in a way of like convenience like right oh, here's a, yeah. here's a chance for me to just do this because
3: this guy causes me more harm than good right he was like uh already on the stern show
2: <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah so final thoughts on this episode the sopranos oh you know in what? General? we should talk about
3: just the reveal that the dude in the members only jacket became friends with James Gandolfini in real life. Yeah. Re-explain that to me, what
2: happened. <laughs> so, somehow, that guy, who's not really much of an actor, he's more... I think and it's he,
3: not like they interact in the scene, either. No,
2: and he. Uh, I think he owns, like, a pizza place in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah. Somewhere. I do remember reading that, yeah. And he became friends with Gandolfini, and they vacationed together in Naples, Italy, and, believe it or not, he was supposed to meet up with Gandolfini on the trip where Gandolfini died.
3: That's bizarre.
2: That's <laughs> so, some angel of death shit. <laughs> kind of a uh, little weird little thing for that guy because it's like he's involved in that final scene of Sopranos and then. Right. the fi- You know, he's kind of, the final tangentially, scene of Gandolfini. <laughs> tangentially involved. Yeah, and I mean. Obviously, it's a terrible thing that James Gandolfini died. I mean, his performance in the show is unbelievable. It's crazy.
3: Like, originally, they wanted Ray Liotta for it. It's like, and he turned it down.
2: Yeah, it wouldn't I mean, have been the same. It, no. Uh,
3: and even then, I guess, they supposedly, they offered Ray Liotta Ralph Cifaretto, which, uh, uh, what's that actor's name?
2: Uh, Joe Pantaleone. Yeah,
3: Joey Pants. Uh, <laughs> who's great in that role, too. I mean... The the scenes with Ralph in, like, seasons three and four, he's just, like, every scene so
2: electric. He's just such a douche. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird, too, that, like, Steve Buscemi was on the show oh, yeah, for, for, like, a, a season. season. It's just, like, so random. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there are a lot of actors that kind of get recycled when it comes to like mafia stuff even yeah. like uh phil leotardo frank vincent it's like the only thing you ever see him is basically and stuff like that oh yeah yeah i mean i think uh, Leoto would not have really had the same the emotion, kind of presence
3: the, just like the emotional mood swings that Gandolfini brings to the
2: performance plus, yeah plus like then it's basically it, i don't know if at that point they had cast lorraine bracco but at the, I oh, mean, I know. It, then it, it, it would have been They weird, were right? they were already using so many people from Goodfellas, and then so many people from Goodfellas end up making it into the show at some point, including you know Frank Vincent. Right. So it's kind of just like, yeah, I think it's better, you know, the way that they were able to bring in at least some new faces into that kind of thing.
3: Oh, also the whole thing with the journey song too, like whether or not they were, it was like actually they were going to be able to get the rights to it. It like came down to the wire. Because like Journey was skeptical about well Steve Perry, Steve Perry yeah
2: I guess who had control of the song um not actually you know in yeah, Journey right, at that point or this point but he didn't want it to be the soundtrack to Tony's death and kind of like member you know remembered for something like violent or horrible I guess and <laughs> David Chase like assured him that it wouldn't be and I think he only really approved them using it three days before the episode aired. And then so like, at that point I don't know if he would have said no I don't really know what they would have done. I
3: mean it's always been a big song it's an iconic song but I mean you know they saw like quite a bump in Oh yeah sales I guess it, it kind of pulled it.
2: journey out of like a a low time for the band financially uh their sales on iTunes went through the roof it was kind of like they played the uh, halftime of the Super Bowl Right <laughs> <laughs> Um yeah so I mean it's it's definitely possible that uh We'll revisit Sopranos at some point. Maybe, oh yeah, jump, you know, to a much earlier episode when things were a lot different, when there's different characters in the mix. Well, that
3: was the thing. I mean, even when people now, obviously, so many years have passed, and James Gandolfini is dead, and everything, and it's just like completely dead. But afterwards, when people were like, "A movie? Can we get a movie?" and it's like <laughs> David Chase was even. Well, it's like I toyed around with the idea of a movie before, but the idea I had for it was set between like seasons 3 and 4 or something.
2: Yeah, I did see a quote from him that was like, "Yeah, I don't really see that happening, but who knows? Maybe maybe we would come up with something we would want to do at some point or something." So, it was kind of like he was closing the door but not yeah, slamming it shut. Like but it was like the it, show- it was always going to be possible up until Gandolfini died.
3: For the stories that were built and woven throughout the the run of the show, it's like you're not left with something hanging outside of like most of the other characters that were major players have been killed it's not like you're left with like oh what's going to happen with aj or you know what i mean like yeah you're not if you don't really want to follow up with the rest of the world well
2: i mean i guess theoretically they could have done a prequel style movie at some point right um Cause you know you you when we were talking about it before you referenced that they that they were oh the kids are too old or whatever but like they could have just not done it without the them yeah they could have come up with a story that didn't involve really the family that much and so you know they could have figured that's a out a way to too. explain like, you know not to have what them in you it. have
3: like a major like crime issue going on but then it's never like referenced again by the characters in the show well you know? who knows well it could have yeah.
2: been like some. Who knows? I mean, it could or have one been based off of something they did reference. True. You yeah. never see or something. You never know where that's they could true. have spun that out right. of. But, you know, it's not going to happen. Then we have, like, Star Wars Rogue One, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, they could do, like, what they did with uh, Grand Moff Tarkin and oh, yeah. have, like, a, <laughs> yeah, a computer-generated Ganolfini. Hey, <laughs> we're heading that way. We're going to see more of that stuff, Yeah, I'm i mean, sure. As soon as David Chase dies, I'm sure we will be able to get that going. Um, yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, you know, follow the show on Twitter, um, subscribe on iTunes. Our Keep tw- checking our in. Our Twitter handle is at Greatest Pod. I, I mean, know we went, I say uh, it in every episode. Uh,
3: you know, I know we went off the rails there a little bit on that last. Give us a second, but people still responded positively to it. I will say this: when I was listening to it, it's like there's one part where I'm like, I say it's funny like four times in a row about the thing I'm trying to say, and it's like completely not funny i don't know what the fuck is wrong with me sometimes but well
2: as i put in the episode description for that give us a second i was like it's kind of like we're doing episode one all over again because we were trying to it was a whole kind of different format really i mean i know that on the surface people are like what are you talking about but right we didn't go (laughs) through the plot so it's like and we're also a lot of the thing you know i would say the Almost everything that we cover on this show are things that we're kind of passionate about and that we like a lot and we know a lot about and we can talk about and care about for that one. It's like well, this is like a really shitty movie, and we're gonna try to make it funny, but it was almost like it, what, was it was too shitty go-
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean <laughs> it was just too shitty like, to even be even funny saying? about
2: it. I was just like, ugh.
3: people were really talk- are we're really into the the room
2: versus room discussion though." <laughs> Every time, this is kind of like a weird thing, and people might, you know, not like that. I'm going to say this, but (laughs) every time, like, I think about uh, the movie Room, the one with Brie Larson, I think about the part where, like, she like farts. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? I haven't seen Room Uh still. You don't like hear it or anything, but like her kid, oh, reacts to it, like, reacting to her farting, and like kind of mentions that she, you know, has done it before. Which (laughs) I mean is, you know, only natural and gonna happen but it just it always like sticks out to me for some reason because it's kind of just like oh yeah that room would probably smell yeah but you Ugh. were kind of into it though <laughs> well i didn't want to say that but <laughs> well it's just things that i have to consider when i'm building you know my shed that i'm gonna <laughs> keep a girl in <laughs> oh boy uh anyway so yeah like i said give us a little support on twitter and itunes uh we could really use some ratings and reviews <laughs> i mean <laughs> god, god if we could only match the number of reviews based on how many times i've asked for a rating and review i mean god It'd really be blowing up yeah um and you know we're just gonna continue on with this show i guess yeah at some point <laughs> more episodes we'll visit uh, hopefully, I don't know. We haven't really thought of anything specific yet, but hopefully we'll have like, some cool ideas for maybe some different kinds of things over the summer. Who knows? Yeah, I'm sure you'll put together
3: some cool little things that everyone will be excited hopefully about. Hopefully
2: we won't do a three-part series on True Detective again.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of interest in that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, We'll I think, come up with something, though. I think some people responded well to yeah. this it'll be fun and people i think there's already probably a lot of well, probably a lot of like pre buzz for the october thing <laughs>
2: it's march we're jumping right, right through summer all right so uh, i guess that'll do it for this one and uh, we'll see you next time see ya
1: Expect the same thing is going to happen in this four-quarter match. Let me tell you something, Gene Hogan, you out here talking about a click The only click you need to know about is the Harlem Heat and Sister Sherry. See, because what you're dealing with here is the brotherhood. It's non-stop from this point on in WCW. We take what we want. And after we take Lex Luger and the Giants, we want the gold sucker. Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga.
2: I should point out for the record, Stevie Ray, look
1: at this. Take a look.